Hi there. This is David Farmer, and this is a very late delivery on the sermon I delivered at Silverside Church in person, face-to-face, -face, or mask-to-mask, -mask, last Sunday, July the 12th. I apologize for the late delivery, but uh, here it is now for your reflection. I think it's a very important sermon on the future of the church. I hope you'll take time to listen very carefully to the suggestions that I am making and um, also to pay attention to the foundations on which I am building my uh, projections. On July 10th, there was an article in the online version of the New York Times titled, uh, it's 2022. What does life look like? The author of the article, David Lenhart, had talked with a number of specialists in various fields, mostly related to economics and education, which are not unrelated. And he came up with a picture of life post-coronavirus. So I'm beginning today uh, by simply sharing with you what he discovered. First and foremost, most of us, not all of us, will have lived through the damn disease. There came into being a fully functional vaccine and manufacturers of masks got back into the business of producing their products for healthcare industries only. In reference to those who did not live through the pandemic, also on last Friday, July the 10th, there was grimmer news than I thought I'd ever have to see. The WHO, remember them, the World Health Organization, reported record numbers of global daily cases led by us, the United States. It was the fifth time this month that daily virus cases around the world exceeded 200,000. That's daily. The United States that day had surpassed 60,000. The news release must have been somewhere midday because by the end of the day, I believe that number was 68,000. The United States surpassed 68,000 new cases that day setting a single-day record for the seventh time in 11 days. And all Trump's staff wants to do is criticize the doctor who's trying to tell us the truth about what's going on. That tells us way more than we wish we had to know about the current political administration and its antagonism toward uh, the American people who suffer and who are ill and who are dying. Beyond the obvious, local newspapers will see more shutdowns adding to the losses already incurred between 2008 and 2019, which amounted to, gosh, about half the newsroom jobs in our country. Department stores once loved for one-stop shopping opportunities will continue losing out to a handful of big box retailers along with 
large discount stores. There will be even more shopping online and run-of-the-mill malls will close. Only the really upscale malls will survive. I don't quite understand how that works, but my sister in Tennessee, I can tell you, is in deep grief about loss of shopping opportunities. Some colleges and universities will close, and those that remain open will have less funding available for financial aid and programs that reach out to students in communities in which people don't know or dare to dream of earning a college degree. As for public schools, they will have reopened in 2022, but most will have had their budgets greatly reduced, which will have an impact on resources and personnel, especially high quality teachers. Many people who successfully worked from home pre-pandemic will continue to do so, which will impact rents and real estate in business districts around the country. Air travel will be depressed or continue to be depressed. The business people who once traveled to meetings will be meeting at home on Zoom, and the average income vacationers will not immediately have recovered financially to be able to travel. Politics in 2022 could lead this nation to a new level of ethical commitments, including care for our planet, or things could be worse. And the rule of oligarchs with little regard for planet or people without money could further solidify. But there will be a 2023, and having adjusted to the new normals, plural intentional, the new normals in 2022, 2023 could be one of the most positive, productive, people-oriented years in the history of this nation. Change is constant. Who am I telling? Change is constant, whether we like it or not. We should not cave to every pressure to change that comes down the pike, but we should be open to potentially positive change when we have the opportunity to embrace it. Some of you will recognize words attributed to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew that are called the Great Commission. This was the last straw, the Jesus movement without Jesus present physically with his followers. That was about to happen. Some say it already had happened and that this was a, a, a part of a teaching from a post-resurrection appearance, but let's not go down that pathway today. There were going to be changes. That's my point. There were going to be changes. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and I'm using the Darby translation for a very important reason. But the 11, not 12, and think about it, you'll know why. The 11 disciples went into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed them, and they saw him and they did homage to him. 
Some translations say they worshipped him. They did not worship him. They worshipped God, as did Jesus. <laughs> but some of the eleven doubted. And Jesus, coming up, spoke to them, saying, All power has been given me in heaven and upon earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, or more literally, as you go, disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of God and of God's Son and of God's Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have enjoined you. Many of you from many translations will have expected the word commanded you there. No. That, that, is, that is not right. <laughs> Jesus was not a commandment kind of guy. This verb in one form or another is used maybe eight times in the New Testament, in this form only once. And a better translation is instructed, or as Darby has chosen here, enjoined. Jesus didn't command. Jesus was much more of a do-as-I-do kind of guy. Plus, Jesus rejected a commandment-based spirituality or religion. So let's get rid of that word. Teaching people to observe all things whatsoever I have instructed you or enjoined you, behold, I am with you all the days, even until the completion of the age. Mr. Leonhardt had nothing whatsoever to do with the suggestions that I'm making based on his suggestions about what could be going on in terms of society in general. These projections are my own. First, in 2022 and beyond, as in the broader society, as in central business districts, so also with churches, not that this is anything new, by the way, but there will continue to be a de-emphasis on buildings, brick, and mortar. Preoccupation with beautiful buildings, those days were over long, long ago. But many churches kept going back to sleep, insisting that they must have been dreaming. Buildings. Buildings must be entirely functional, affordable, and probably multipurpose. Satisfaction with doing more from home, which means greater investment in technology and greater training in the use of technology. If I can do some work from home, then I can do some church from home. We need to have the most exciting website in the United States. That is Silverside Church. There need to be so many things going on online and always presented beautifully that people have a reason to sign on to the Silverside site multiple times every week. This will be a part of taking Jesus' message to the ends of the earth. Field of Dreams was a fantastic movie, but the days of build it and they will come, those are over too. We're going to have to offer more small group opportunities online and in person uh, at our facility and in other places where people can and will gather. Some of them will be just for fellowship. That's wonderful. That's okay. More than okay. 
other times that we meet will be functional. And we have to keep all ages in mind from senior adults and the shut-ins to kids. Online Sunday school curriculum should be available so that kids can keep up and will want to keep up even when they can't make it to the church building on a Sunday in a given week. Or maybe Sunday school won't be on Sunday anymore. Or maybe it won't be in the mornings anymore. Online Sunday school helps answer that challenge. Speaking of technology, some of you will remember the days when we gave our shut-ins a cassette tape recorder. Some of you listening to this probably don't know what a cassette tape recorder is, but it once was an important part of technology. <laughs> we gave our shut-ins a cassette tape recorder, and then periodically a deacon would take a copy of a cassette tape recording of a worship service to the shut-in so that the shut-ins could keep up with what was going on uh, at uh, a church. Well, that has become ancient history now, those pieces of once highly used technology. And nowadays, we need to give our shut-ins, those who can't afford to purchase one on their own, a, a, a grand pad. That is a tablet designed for senior adults with controls that are easy to use with access to apps, applications, that will help them keep in touch with their church. Gatherings will be taped for them, also for those who were absent from a gathering for whatever reason, but not just for those. Other parts of the church's life will be taped also. Fun stuff, uh, conversations, interviews with new members. There'll be a way for uh, shut-ins, people who can't get out much but aren't quite shut-in, to use their grand pad to keep up. The idea of evaluating our value as a church based on Sunday morning attendance, that is over. It's over. Perhaps instead of a weekly full group gathering, we go monthly for those kinds of things. And we'd better have opportunities for those who can't or won't come on Sunday mornings. Um, yeah, some people just can't or won't. Maybe the music ministry will not be mostly about a choir preparing to present music in a worship setting after a, a weekly rehearsal, but more about opportunities to come together and enjoy the spiritual uplift of a variety of musical experiences with, uh, with a great uh, musician like, uh, like our musician, but it's a high eye. It doesn't all have to be choral either. Speaking of music, if music gets the budget acts in the public schools, churches with gifted musicians like ours could possibly offer to teach music to public school kids after school. Same with art, for that matter. White middle class and wealthy churches will have to fund some Black Lives Matter scholarships for promising students of color so that they can get a degree and help teach us white folks more and more about what eradicating racism 
vigilantly entails. And speaking of that, we cannot be content identifying predominantly as a white group anymore. If not everything we do is integrated, we must be engaged at least to a great extent in joining with racially diverse groups to accomplish social goals. And by the way, listen to those who've been hurt directly by racism. Furthermore, having learned the lessons of the COVID pandemic, the church in the name of Jesus, the great physician, renews its commitment to becoming a part of the energy for promoting health at all levels for all people. What I'm telling you is the Great Commission is as important to being followers of Jesus as it ever was, and it's really not so much about evangelism. It's about carrying the reality of change into the world so that people can keep up with knowing how to keep themselves open to the reality of the God about whom Jesus taught.